today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. And then you're on the heels of that and you're like, whoa! You know when you're the most vulnerable to the enemy's attack? Right after a victory. Right after some miraculous deliverance, some victory, some huge answered prayer, something that God does, you are a sitting duck and Satan couldn't be happier. He's been waiting for a long time for this moment. He's got you right where he wants you. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Isaiah. In today's message, Pastor J.D. shares that we're often the most vulnerable after those mountaintop experiences with the Lord. You get so excited about what God just did that you forget to keep your guard up. He shares that Satan takes advantage of your distraction and tries to make you stumble and fall. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Isaiah chapter 39 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. God blessed Hezekiah abundantly. Did you notice in the narrative it's his house, his treasures? It's going to get worse, as we're going to see here in a moment. But that's what happens. It's my church. It becomes what I did. And now all of a sudden, it's about me. The blessing and the prosperity and the measure of success that I have experienced has something to do with me. And then we start taking credit for it. And then when that happens, it's just a matter of time, because pride still comes before the fall. And this is why flattery and popularity and prosperity can be more dangerous than threatening adversity. You know, I've asked myself the question, and I know it depends on the person and the temperament and the way somebody is wired, as it were. We're all very different. But for some, prosperity is more dangerous for them than adversity. Not for everybody, but people cannot handle. You know, we always flippantly sometimes, sadly, say to Christians, well-intentioned, of course, but You know, God will never give you more than you can handle. By the way, that's 1 Corinthians 10.13. You know what 1 Corinthians 10.12 is? That's the aforementioned verse about, be careful if you think you stand lest you fall. And then the very next verse is, I'm going to just paraphrase it, There is no temptation, no trial that will seize you or overcome you, but that God will provide a way of escape in that trial so that you'll be able to bear up under it. That's where, it's from that verse that we come up with our Christian cliches, that God will never give you more than you can handle. Now isn't it true that we always 
put that in the context of adversity, like God will never give you more adversity than you can handle. Have you ever thought about it like this? God will never give you more prosperity than you can handle. See, He knows they can handle that. They can't. Not yet anyway. They're not mature enough. I can't entrust them with that. Now I can entrust him or her with that because they can handle that. They will not get puffed up. It will not go to their head because God will not be party to our failure and our faltering and our sin because God cannot tempt us to evil. So God cannot be party to that. So he knows what we're able to handle on both sides of the spectrum, whether it's adversity on this side or prosperity on this side. Well, verse 3 then, Isaiah the prophet went to Hezekiah, King Hezekiah, and said to him, what did these men say? He knows. (laughs) And from where did they come to you? He knows where they came from. He knows they came from Babylon. So Hezekiah said, oh, let me tell you what happened here. They came to me from a far country, from Babylon. And he said, this is Isaiah, what have they seen in your house? So Hezekiah answered, oh, they have seen all that is in my house. There is nothing among my treasures that I have not shown them. My, 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 my. Really? My? Reminds me of Moses. You remember that account? He gets so angry with the Israelites. I mean, they are complaining and murmuring again. No water. Were there not enough graves in Egypt? You brought us out here to kill us. And Moses is like, that's it. I've had it with you. And he says these words, key word. How long are we going to have to deal with you? And God says, hey, Mo, (laughs) get over here, boy. We need to talk. What's this we stuff? Oh, we're on the same level now. Oh, you're up there with me. Because you said we. No, it's not we. It's me. (laughs) Not you. Oh, you're like me now. And he got so angry. And he struck the rock the second time in his anger, and it cost him the promised land. Why? Because he ruined the typology. See, that rock is Christ, and he was only to strike that rock one time, and water came out. Christ was only to be crucified one time, and then after that he was only to speak to the rock, and water would come out. And he didn't speak. He struck it again the second time, and he ruined the typology. That's how serious it was, and it cost him the promised land in his anger. Well, be very careful. Be very careful. When in your prayer journal, there's a lot of eyes in there, or a lot of mys in there. 
because those are my, 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 ay, ay, ay problems. And this is nothing shy of the pride of life. And here it is, and I want to spend just a moment on this. It is the pride of life that fuels the desire to please and impress man. That's what's happening here. The proverb says that the fear of man is a trap, it's a snare. To be a man pleaser, Paul said, if I'm a man pleaser, I'm not a servant of Christ. It's one or the other, it cannot be both. <laughs> Again, I, I'm preaching to myself, and this is something that, and the Lord knows my heart, and again, I'm being very transparent with you. I am, talk about being on guard. This is an area in my life where I am so, so, so careful. I'm hypersensitive to this, especially on the heels of a victory, especially when God does something, I mean, just over the top, off the charts, as only He can. And then you're on the heels of that, and you're like, whoa! You know when you're the most vulnerable to the enemy's attack? Right after a victory. Right after some miraculous deliverance, some victory, some huge answered prayer, something that God does. You are a sitting duck, and Satan couldn't be happier. He's been waiting for a long time for this moment. He's got you right where he wants you. Many years ago, I think it was um, early 2000s, might have been 2002. In fact, it was 2002. It was right after 2001, which I know is deeply profound. But no, I went to Russia, and it was after 9-11, and it was kind of gnarly because, you know, I, anyway. So I uh, flew to Russia, and I taught at the uh, Bible college there in Moscow. And we were doing these outreaches with the students, and we would go out, we would rent a place, and I mean, we had this one outreach this one night, and I would, you know, preach and the gospel, and we had an invitation, all these Russian abuse. In fact, the, the fire marshals came, and we had, you know, overcapacity, and people were outside in the cold. It was really cold. And I mean, all these Russian young people were pouring forward to give their lives to Jesus Christ. And I mean, the, the students, you know, they did worship, which was really good. They were really good, and they knew it, and that was the problem. But <laughs> I mean, it was just a taste of heaven. Just such a, you know, there's no high like the high of seeing people come to the Lord. And here God used these kids to bring these people to Christ. And so the next morning when I was doing the devotions, I made this comment, and they thought I misspoke. I said, wow, last night, wow, right? You know, of course I had a Russian translator. And uh, they're like, yeah, you know, praise the Lord. And I said, you know, right now Satan could not be happier they thought, and I made sure the translator translated it, Satan, not God, not the Lord. And, they were, and when they realized that I did not misspeak, they looked at me with that look of astonishment. 
What do you mean Satan couldn't be happier? Oh, here's why. Because on the heels of what God did last night, we're just walking on air, man. Like, praise the Lord. That is when we are the most vulnerable to the attack of the enemy, because the enemy's right there saying things like this. You've, you've heard him say this to you, maybe in a different way, but it goes something like this. Hey, not too bad. Wow. You prayed with so many people last night to receive Christ, and they got saved. And man, those songs, they, they were jamming, man. And that message, that invitation, I mean, it was flawless. No wonder they came forward. Oh, you the man. I tell you, boom, down you go. I've learned this the hard way in my life, and I got the scars to prove it, without exception. When you start thinking it's you, my, 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 I, 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 that's it. It's game over. Verse 5, then Isaiah said to Hezekiah, Hear the word of the Lord of hosts. Behold, verse 6, the days are coming when all that is in your house and what your fathers have accumulated until this day shall be carried to Babylon. Nothing shall be left, says the Lord, and they shall take away some of your sons who will descend from you whom you will beget, and they shall be eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. By the way, it's believed that in the Babylonian captivity, these that were taken captive would include the likes of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, as they were renamed, because this is exactly what's going to happen. And oh, by the way, this would be fulfilled about 100 years later, after Isaiah pronounces this to Hezekiah, which has led many to believe, one among many reasons, that there must have been two Isaiahs. Because there's no way that you could have a prophecy and then have it fulfilled a hundred years later. There must have been another Isaiah. And I love the arguments, and we'll talk about it later on in the book, but Jesus quotes from Isaiah, not Isaiah's. I'll just leave it at that. There's just one Isaiah. And this is exactly what they did. They took, I mean, everything, all the treasures that Hezekiah had shown them, could you imagine this envoy from Babylon as Hezekiah is going, taking them on the grand tour? You know, in this room we have all the gold. They're going, okay, let's see here. Thank you very much. And here's the key to unlock the door, in case you need it. And, verse 8, so Hezekiah said to Isaiah, The word of the Lord which you have spoken is good. What? For he said, at least there will be peace and truth in my days. What? Wait, what? You know what he's saying here? I mean, oh, I so wish 
It didn't end like this. I don't want to end the Bible study this way again. I wish there were a verse 9. There's not. I looked. Go ahead and check. I'm pretty sure there's not. But I wish there was a verse 9 that said, Oh, but those that come after me, woe unto them because of my sin. I have sinned greatly against... It's not there. There's no verse 9. There's just a verse 8, which basically says... It's like Hezekiah saying, well, okay, that's fine. At least I won't be alive to see that happen. That's cool. Go ahead. The end. I don't want to close in prayer yet because I want to cry first, but how sad is this? This was a good king. What happened to Hezekiah? He was a good king. Where's the Hezekiah that laid the letter out before the Lord and cried out to the Lord, and the Lord hearkened unto the voice of his cry? That's not the same guy. Maybe there's not two Isaiahs, but certainly there's got to be two Hezekiahs. No, same Hezekiah. You know, again, the takeaway, kind of going full circle. You know, we can start. That's an easy do. But finishing well, like the Apostle Paul to Timothy, I finished the race. He finished well. I've finished the race. I've fought the good fight. And now what awaits me is the crown of righteousness, and not just to me, but all those who long for His appearing. I don't know if it's possible to overstate the importance of finishing the race, and if it's of any encouragement, and I hope it is, I know it is for me, but there's not much left in this race with the way things are going. That finish line, I can see it from here. That's how close we are. I mean, there's still a race to run and a fight to fight, and we still have to cross that finish line and finish well. But uh, it's closer than I think any of us can possibly imagine. So you be encouraged. You be encouraged. One last thing. Wouldn't you rather learn from somebody else's mistakes than your own? I mean, there's nothing wrong with that, by the way. (laughs) In fact, that's why we have much of what we have in the Bible. It's like God saying, you know, I think about David, right? I mean, you want to talk about graphic detail. I mean, this is a man after God's own heart, yeah? And I mean, he's the sweet psalmist of Israel. This is the David that danced unto the Lord when he brought the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem. He didn't care what people thought. You talk about not being a man pleaser. He was just unabashed, unashamed, just to you, Lord, just dancing to the Lord. No regard for anyone around him. The only person, he had an audience of one, and he only wanted to please the Lord. That's my David. That's the David that slew the uncircumcised Philistine. That's David. There's got to be two Davids, because there's another David. 
that plotted. He committed adultery. He lusted. He gets her pregnant, tries to cover it up, brings the husband home from the battlefield, which is where he should have been in the first place, by the way. Brings him back, Uriah the Hittite. Hey, dude, here, have another glass. (laughs) Gets him drunk. Gets him so drunk, he passes out in the front of the door, doesn't even go in, and he's trying to get him to, so he can cover up the the pregnancy. Oh, it's, it's his, and then he'll look like the hero. He almost pulled it off. And then when he doesn't sleep with his wife, according to David's plot, he calls over Joab, his military commander, and I can't even fathom this, but he he gives him instructions, or he gives Uriah, pardon me, instructions, and he writes it out, he scrolls it up, and he sends it with Uriah to Joab, his military commander. You know what was on that? It was a command to Joab to put Uriah on the front line so he gets killed. This Uriah carried his own death sentence to Joab. And that's exactly what happened. And then when word comes back to David, you know what his response was? Well, it's a casualty of war. And he tries to cover it up until Nathan the prophet comes to him. But for one year, and we read in the Psalms that he was dying inside, for one year trying to cover his sin. He committed adultery and murder two sins and crimes at that time that were punishable, capital crimes, punishable by death. I don't want to hear about that, David. And so the question becomes, why do we have such details about what David did? Is it to show us how bad David was? No. It was to show us how good God is, despite how bad David was. And that's why we have accounts like this. It's God's way of saying, learn from David's mistakes. Learn from David. You know, he would pay, he was forgiven, but the consequences of what he did, he suffered tremendously for the rest of his life. The pain, first of all, he lost the child. The child died. That in and of itself. And then his whole house was in chaos his sons, his daughter. I mean, it's just horrific. It's just unspeakable. But it's God's way of saying, learn from Hezekiah's mistake here. Learn from what David did. Learn from their mistakes. I would rather learn from, I'm sorry, I mean this in love. I'd rather learn from your sin than my own. So when you sin, just let me know so I can learn from your sin. (laughs) I don't want to learn from... Anyway, okay, (laughs) let's pray. You're saying, please, Father in heaven, thank you so much. This is tough stuff here, but good stuff. And we need to hear this. We need to heed this, more importantly. Lord, may we be numbered amongst those of whom it is said they finished well. They fought the good fight. They finished the race. Lord, thank you for this account, as hard as it is to read and hear and know. But Lord, we want to learn from it. 
And we need the Holy Spirit for that. So thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. We hope you continue to be encouraged as you learn some good things from the book of Isaiah. Did you realize that there are 39 chapters in Isaiah that address judgment and 27 chapters that point to God's salvation? How fascinating that this book relates to 39 books of the Old Testament, much about judgment of sin, and 27 books of the New Testament, pointing to Jesus as God's salvation for the world. Isaiah is yet another example of how God interweaves the old with the new, and how prophecies from old point to fulfillment of that later. Are you seeing the connections that God has written into these pages of Isaiah? If you're wanting to hear this message again or more like it, you can find them at calvarychapelkaneohe.com. While you're there, you can learn more about the church this ministry is supported by, Calvary Chapel Kaneohe. If you're not already plugged into a local church, we invite you to be part of our church family. If you're in or near the Kaneohe area, we'd love for you to come visit us on Sundays and Thursdays for a time of worship, fellowship, and in-depth Bible study with Pastor J.D. You can find service times and directions on our website. Again, that's calvarychapelkaneohe.com. We're so glad you tuned in today to learn from the book of Isaiah. We look forward to the next edition with Pastor J.D. and the things that God has put on his heart to share from this prophetic book. Thanks again for listening today to In Spirit and Truth.